Good morning, RJLA family. I am Angela Birdsong, your conversation piece host on RJLA Morning Wake Up Call at radiojustice.org. For something new or unusual to talk about for stimulating conversation for you on the bus, train, plane, or simply at the water cooler or in Cubicle Nation. Today we have Director of NAMI Urban LA, Harold Turner. He is also the L.A. County Health Commissioner and elected board member of NAMI California. He is going to be talking about mental health in your community today. Do you know what mental health is? Do you know the difference between mental health and mental illness? And do you give people a stigma in regards to to mental health illness? If you fit any of those things, this is the show for you today. Mental health in your community on RJLA Morning Wake Up Call with Conversation Peace. Mr. Harold, welcome to Conversation Peace. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, what is NAMI? NAMI is uh, an acronym for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And uh, we're a national organization headquartered out of Arlington, Virginia. And we have state-level organizations that exist in the capital of each of the 50 states. And then you have local affiliates. So our state organization here in California, NAMI California, is located in Sacramento. And there are about 66 local affiliates across the state of California. There are actually 12 right here in Los Angeles County. So we have sort of a hybrid organization that I don't believe exists anywhere else in the country in that we have a county-level NAMI that's a, a collaboration of the 12 affiliates. Okay. Uh, and the affiliates, each one is its own 501c3, but uh, we collaborate on those things that are of a county-wide nature and of interest to all of us where it makes more sense to just act as one. And as the board member of the L.A. County Health Commissioner, what, what does that consist of? Uh, I'm, I guess I'm the newest member of that commission uh, appointed by Supervisor Mark Ridley Thomas, representing the 2nd District. And our job is over to oversee uh, county mental health policies, mm-hmm. um, produce reports to provide feedback to the supervisors on the effectiveness of programs that are designed to serve the communities and, um, you know, to uh, also interview and look at people who are uh, candidates for positions within the county mental health structure. On the state level, it's specifically to NAMI. It's specifically to NAMI. Okay. And, um, and we have, uh, you know, like I said, the state organization. We provide, you know, some governance oversight to our state organization to make sure that uh, we are adhering to the strategic plan for the state of California. Okay. Uh, what is the strategic plan for the state of California right now? Well, the, you know, this, the strategic plan is uh, broad in, uh, in what it does. We don't do uh, 
uh, direct governing. Of, there is a staff uh, to do that. You know, we have uh, an executive director, you know, of the uh, of, of NAMI California. But, um, you know, to oversee matters around focus, the group and areas we will attack, like transitional age youth, uh, of course, homelessness, um, you know, and just how do we interact better with local affiliates to provide support and direction to those interests as well. Yeah. Okay. Are they supporting you well over there at Urban L.A.? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> We're busy. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah. Right, because uh, as, as you know, but the RJLA family does not know, I have a personal relationship with Urban NAMI Urban LA because I have taken um, the Family the Family course yeah. over there, mm-hmm. which I recommend for anyone who has a loved one who is uh, who has been diagnosed with a mental health illness or who is on the healing side of m- mental health, they most definitely should, should look into the family to family um, class. And I think your next yeah. family to family doesn't start until January, correct? January, correct. Right, yeah. right. So we, we offer a number of programs and services at NAMI Urban Los Angeles. And um, uh, what makes us a little different, I guess, what makes NAMI different than most organizations is that our focus is on the family and not so much on the uh, you know, providing direct services to individuals themselves, although we have uh, programs that are geared at people with lived experience, but we really uh, focus on uh, the family understanding. You know, I came to NAMI the same way most people come to NAMI. I, I had no experience with mental health um, frankly, hadn't thought very much about it, you know, and uh, my whole working background was in information technology. That was my career. And uh, and my daughter was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia when she was in her junior year at LMU. And so that was my um, introduction to mental health and the start of our journey. Um, I guess because of my engineering background, I, I just wanted to take that approach because that was my approach to problem solving. Okay, what is it? How big is it? Right. What's the plan? You know, give me a plan. And uh, it was uh, uh, a struggle for me uh, that provided me with 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 some way to deal with it, but it didn't give me the understanding. And actually, you know, I stumbled around about nine years before I found NAMI and found what I needed, which was a framework for understanding what it is I was dealing with. You know, what was happening to my daughter, what was happening to me, what was happening to my family. And it was amazing. Uh, It was transformative. That 12-week family-to-family education course was the best investment of time I ever spent. And uh, I, about three weeks in, this this is too good to be a secret, <laughs> you know. So um, uh, I committed to doing volunteer work uh, for NAMI. I became uh, a family-to-family instructor, and then I became a state trainer uh, for NAMI to teach other facilitators and things like that. And uh, about five years ago, six years ago, I kind of um, 
counted my pennies and decided I'd take an early retirement to pursue this full time because it was my passion. Right. You know, it is my passion. And my experience is what drives that passion. And, um, you know, and I just know that, you know, recovery from many of these illnesses is possible for far greater number of people than actually achieve it. And uh, that drives me, and it drives my passion for this. And there's also, um, you know, at NAMI Urban Los Angeles, um, the thing that gets me to, there's a commitment to the social justice aspects of mental illness. You know, so a large percent of of our community is monolingual. You know, they don't uh, don't speak English. Okay. You know, so... um, you know, that was an affront to me personally. Um, people are suffering. They're suffering. I know what I went through. I was trying to imagine what it was like to go through this and not speak the language and to have your immigration status be questionable, to be afraid when you go out of the house, to not understand the system and the way it works and it's all the holes in it and and all the danger that was there. So we made a commitment to doing that in a relatively short time, about two to three years, uh, uh, we were able to offer everything we do in in English and Spanish as well. And uh, that's one of the things uh, I'm proud of. You know, any screaming for your own is one thing, but how loud will you scream for somebody else? You know, tells me more about who you are and, uh, you know, why I'm proud of this organization and and why I'm committed to it. Right. And you're listening to Conversation Peace on RJLA Morning Wake Up Call at RadioJustice.org. We'll be right back. I could try to say I'm sorry, but that won't be quite enough. To let you know pain that I feel And it just won't let up Oh, it feels like the sky is falling And the clouds, clouds are closing in Listening to Conversation Peace on RJLA Morning Wake Up Call at RadioJustice.org. And we have Harold Turner, Program Director of NAMI Urban LA, 
elected board member of NAMI California and L.A. County Health Commissioner. We are talking about mental health in your community. And, Harold, you just highlighted some of the features of what NAMI offers and what NAMI Urban L.A. offers and and how you um, got introduced to NAMI. Actually, how did you find NAMI? I, I know I know you said that you, your engineering skills kicked in and you needed to find out what is this that is affecting my daughter. Yeah. Uh, actually, you know, I'd like to say I had a moment of enlightenment or something, but my wife dragged me kicking, screaming to NAMI. Okay. <laughs> she came home one day and told me she'd heard about this organization called NAMI. And I'm like, man... There's all kinds of organizations. I've been out here nine years doing this. What could they possibly tell me? But it was one of those cases where I was tired. Easier to go than fight about it. Okay. And I went to NAMI reluctantly. And uh, I was there maybe 10, 15 minutes before it dawned on me I was in the right place. Because uh, I really didn't think any body there would understand what we'd been through, what I'd been through, what my right. daughter had been through, what we'd gone through as a family. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was proved to be wrong in a relatively short order. Right. And, um, and I opened up to listening and learning and, uh, you know, it just took off from there. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I my now my mom and I we didn't go kicking and screaming to <laughs> to Nami uh, family to family class. Um, um, my my sister and she gave me permission to talk about her story. So thank you, sister. Mm-hmm. Um, she left notes on our beds, and when I came home from work and I, I brought the note with me. I, I may read it or not. I don't know, but I still have the note <laughs> from, from, from 2015. I, I came home and the note said, Angie, will you and mom consider taking this class? It's once a week on Tuesday or Saturday. They also have twice a month, a family support group on Thursday nights. Please think about it. I want you guys to understand mental illness and what I'm going through. Oh, my goodness. When I saw that note, I ran downstairs. I said, of course, <laughs> of course, yeah. of course, we've been waiting. We've been waiting to 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 do something together as a family to 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 be on this healing path with her. And when I you know, I know earlier I had said what my personal relationship is with with NAMI Urban L.A. by taking the family to family class and if you are in this situation, I, I'm probably going to say it a few times throughout this program, you really need to look into signing up for this class. The family to family class is, is priceless. I tell people about this class often. They also have the peer to peer class, which is what my sister took, which opened her eyes to, oh, let me let my family know so they can come and learn about what I'm going through and what mental health illness is about. What is the peer-to-peer class? Yeah, it's a a 10-week education course we have for people who uh, have lived experience with managing a mental illness. And um, it's a phenomenal course because it's taught by people with lived experience to people with lived experience. And um, 
it's amazing, you know, and the dynamics. I, um, I tell you, I can only guess at a lot in what I hear because it's by peers, for peers. Okay. And... I don't get access unless they invite me. <laughs> okay, right, right. Even as a director. <laughs> Even as a director, you know, it's, uh, I, you know, I only when invited. Right. So it's a know. true safe zone. Then. Absolutely, and it's because we have families, and and families want to be involved, particularly when they're uh, families of younger people and understand what they're. You know their loved ones are learning and all of that, but we want to create a create a safe zone for them to talk about the things that bother them, including their families, you know, and uh, <laughs> and uh, be able to express that openly yes. Yes. and teach them about, you know, how to manage um, the illness, uh, how to advocate for yourself, right. uh, relapse prevention, mm-hmm. uh, building a plan for yourself, all a part of that, of that 10-week course. Right. And... Um, uh, kind of a follow-on to that, we have something called NAMI Connections, and uh, we've actually had it in Spanish for a while. That's one of the ones where we led with Spanish, uh, and uh, but we're starting the English one. Uh, it's kind of like an ongoing support group where you meet once a week for 90 minutes, and they get to define what it is. You know, one of the things we want to encourage them to do by partnering with other organizations who service people with uh, with brain disorders is to uh, get them involved in the arts and writing, um, technology, so they can tell their own story right. in a way that's comfortable for them. So, you know, we're very much uh, looking forward to that. Now, l- let's get into some statistical information mm-hmm. about, about mental health and mental health um, and mm-hmm. mental illness. Earlier, you were alluding to about um, the multicultural communities and some of the critical issues that they face, like you said, is language barriers, along with not having access to treatment, Mm -hmm. less likely to receive treatment, poor quality of care, higher levels of stigma, culturally insensitive health care system, racism and bias and discrimination in treatment settings, and lower rates of of health insurance. And that health disparity, it just seems to go across the board for for health care, period, within the multicultural um, communities. As part of the L.A. County Health Commissioner, what are you guys doing to try to combat that? Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, you know, mental illness doesn't just happen. You know, it happens somewhere in an environment, and you still have to deal with all of the other stuff, you know, noticeably absent. You know, there was the the huge intersection between uh, people with uh, brain disorders and law enforcement. Right. It's another huge area, and the rates of incarceration and mm-hmm. is uh, it's just phenomenal. Uh, but as you say, it exists across the society. Uh, You don't get a pass just because you have mental illness. You know, you still have to deal with racism. You still have to deal with poverty. All these things we call um, social determinants of mental health. You know, and the families of people who who deal with these uh, illnesses 
understand, and it's a source of worry for them in many times as to how well their loved ones will be able to traverse all these different areas. Um, you know, it's it's not, you know, with mental illness, you're never dealing with just mental illness. Right. You know, most of the families that come to us quite often, you have law enforcement involved, the loved one has been arrested or they're on probation, right. gone back into jail, or DCFS involved, you know, there's uh, children there and, you know, there's some issue around the child or one of the parents. Uh, we get a lot of uh, court-ordered uh, attendance at our classes as okay. the courts have started to to realize some of the outcomes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they get from families who've attended our classes and taken advantage of that. So, um, you know, from the from the county level, we're yes. dealing with all of that, including, um, you know, homelessness and, uh, you know, how housing is a huge issue, of course, across the board. There's also problems with access. Uh, there's problems with mental health services or for schools. There's problems related to access to services, you know, because of stigma right. in the community. And, you know, and how do we get campaigns going to uh, get people to recognize that these illnesses are treatable? Right. You know, and get them to uh, to seek services, and as well as improving the you know the quality of those services, is is um, you know is an issue across the system. Right, uh, and we'll and we'll get into the mm-hmm. the stigma of, of of this disease in in a moment. Mm-hmm. Now, back to the the stats. It, for those of you guys who are thinking, okay, mental illness, um, I may know somebody, I, I may not. One in five adults in, a, in America experiences a mental health illness. One in five. 43.8 million adults experience mental illness in, their, in, their, in, a, in a given year. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and there are um, stories behind those numbers, of course. Okay, okay. And uh, as you alluded to earlier, I used to say that all the time, you know, there's only two types of people in the world, those who've been <laughs> diagnosed and those who haven't. <laughs> right. And on any given day, you know, uh, we could be diagnosable. And, and really that's the difference to me between mental health and mental illness you know, is mental health, uh, people can get themselves back on track and kind of okay. right themselves. And uh, people who are mentally ill struggle with that. You know, to be well, we all need to be psychologically stable. You know, we need to have a supportive network of family and friends. Uh, we need good nutrition, exercise. Um, we need... A reason to get up in the morning. Right. Some purpose, you know. And the only thing I said differently there is psychological stability. That's where people with mental illness struggle with that piece. Other than that, all the other pieces we should all be working right. on. Right. They apply to everybody. Absolutely. Right. And in mental health, it's it's no different than physical health. You 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 want 
you know, you, you want to be healthy from, from your head to your toe. Yeah. And your head is where your brain is. Mm-hmm. And if you have a brain disorder, you want to get the right things to get to get help on. And, of course, ways to get help is to talk with your doctor, connect with other individuals and families, learn about mental illness, and, of course, visit NAMI Urban <laughs> L.A. NAMI is a national um, organization, grassroots organization. So wherever you are in the United States, there is a NAMI affiliate there to 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 assist you. Now the the um, the statistics on children and teens, one in five also will um, experience uh, mental health illness in in their their lifetime. And what what the the one number that threw me for for um, ch- children and teenagers is that suicide is the second leading of cause of death for ages 15 to 24, Absolutely. the second. Absolutely. Then I had to look and say, okay, well, what is it for, for adults? And for adults, I believe it was, it was number nine mm-hmm. for 10th for, um, leading cause of death for adults mm-hmm. and in the United States, but it's number two for 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 youth and also the 70% of youth in state and local juvenile justice systems have a mental illness 70% 70% yeah and you you were it's even you, right and even higher for girls even higher for girls yeah yeah so it's uh you know this and the number that actually gets services it's phenomenal. There's so many things uh, hidden there. Uh, and, you know, in the class we talk, uh, uh, there's in one of the classes in particular, we talk about we talk about all the major mental illnesses and their subtypes. Yes. But PTSD, which is rampant among children in our communities, you know, children who are exposed to violence or okay. come to from homes where they witness uh, domestic violence, things like that, and and we ask them to go learn you know it's uh it's amazing you know and uh toward toward that end you know we are really expanding our school-based programs okay uh to go out into schools uh we uh, actually did a training with compton unified and linwood unified uh, about a month ago and it was amazing to start programs that we uh, we have a program we call NAMI on campus, and it was really geared at the colleges. Mm-hmm. And we have two colleges that we support right now. We have a club at USC, and we have a club at Cal State LA. And, um, and we have an amazing experience with with Cal State LA at this point. They're really taking it on, and the president of the college is really a good mental health supporter. We've taken that a step further now, and we're going to NAMI on campus high school to move that down a little bit. Um, and like I said, about a month ago, we did a training with seven high schools. Actually, it was about 80 kids mm-hmm. um, uh, around uh, establishing NAMI on campus clubs okay. at these schools. And each of the groups have a faculty sponsor, and we work with them. We're there community NAMI sponsor. We mm-hmm. help them in developing activities and things like that for their clubs. They developed uh, mission statements for their clubs. 
They produced the stigma reduction posters that, right. to put up around the campuses. Uh, all of this to help normalize, and the kids were amazing. You know, in their understanding, I was, I came out of there so pumped. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> right, this is, right. This has got to go. And some of them really felt comfortable enough to share some of their personal stories. Right. And, uh, you know, it really touched me. Right, you yeah. Know, so we, we have to do more. Right. You are listening to Conversation Peace on RJLA Morning Wake Up Call at radiojustice.org, and we'll be right back. I don't want to be alive. I don't want to be alive. I just want to die today. I just want to die. I don't want to be alive. I don't want to be alive. I just want to die. Let me tell you why. All this other they think they know it I've been praying for somebody to save me no one's heroic and my life don't even matter I know it I know it I know I'm hurting deep down but can't show it I never had a place to call my own I never had a home ain't nobody calling my phone where you been where you at what's on your mind they say every life precious but nobody care about say I've been on the low I've been taking my time I feel like I'm out of my mind it feel like my life ain't mine who can relate I've been on the low Time. I feel like I'm out of my mind. It feels like my life is mine. Say, I want you to be alive. I want you to be alive. You don't gotta die today. You don't gotta die. I want you to be alive. I want you to be alive. You don't gotta die. Now let me tell you why. It's the very first breath when your head's been drowning. In the air, but you're there chest to chest with the lover. It's holding on, though the road's long. I'm seeing light in the darkest things. And when you stare at your reflection, finding open who it is, I know that you'll thank God you. Welcome back to Conversation Peace. I'm Angela Birdsong, your host on RJLA Morning Wake Up Call on RadioJustice.org. And we have Harold Turner, Program Director of NAMI Urban LA with us. And we were just covering the NAMI exposure in the schools, bringing awareness at the high school level, at the college level, removing that stigma and discrimination against mental illness. And I know we've been saying stigma here and there throughout throughout the show today, but what is the stigma? And we we basically define stigma as an invisible mark of disgrace or dishonor. So no one wants to be associated with it. Okay. Okay. Um, 
mental health mm-hmm. is uh, particularly vulnerable to stigma because the science is so new. Okay. You know, much of what we know about mental illness, we only know since the 1980s. Really? Yeah, and that's still unfolding. Uh, We didn't even have a vocabulary to discuss it. The vocabulary is evolving. Okay. You know, um, whole new areas opened up with the decoding of the human genome and starting to look at uh, different... uh, uh, DNA patterns uh, that could account for some susceptibility to certain forms of mental illness. Whole new areas of research opened up. Uh, finding out that uh, really identifying many of the false assumptions that we labored under around these illnesses for so long. So this is still a very, very new feel. Right. You know, and, um, you know, we know that uh, uh, some of the risk factors are definitely familial, but we know through research and a lot of studies that have been done on identical twins that no one can inherit mental illness. You know, you can Mm -hmm. uh, inherit a susceptibility to the illness. Okay. You know, why it's important for us to know our family histories, you know, and to look at that because there are some known triggers of what we call the second hit, the thing in the environment that causes the onset of the illness. You know, things like stress, Mm -hmm. things like uh, recreational drug use, things like trauma, you know, that can trigger the onset of these illnesses. So we're just starting to understand how all those things interact, you know, to produce um, the illnesses we see. Now, with the stigma, I see there are some myths about mental illness. Mm -hmm. And one of the myths that I saw was, the myth is people with mental illness never get better. And, of course, the fact is, with the right kind of help, most people do recover and lead healthy productive and satisfying lives. And the other myth is people with a mental illness are violent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My sister's not violent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of myths that exist, you know, around uh, mental illness. And of course, you know, people with mental illness are no more prone to you know, to violence than than anyone else. But, of course, um, you know, if people are untreated and abuse substances, uh, they are more prone uh, to violence than they otherwise would be. So sometimes, uh, I want to point up there, sometimes we have to be clear when we're talking treated or untreated mental illness Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because uh, untreated mental illness... uh, is definitely susceptible to to violence and other things. Right. But when treated, uh, none of those risk factors exist beyond that that's in the general population. Yeah, so um, just... And people do go on to the other myth you mentioned, you know. This is not life-ending. This becomes something you have to manage. 
you know, right. pretty much like diabetes or other illnesses. Yes. You know, you make lifestyle changes, you manage it as you go on. People are not their diagnosis. It's right. something they manage while they're living their lives. You know, and, and we have some examples around um, right here. We did an event earlier this year um, with the NAMI on Campus Club at USC. And uh, Dr. Ellen Sachs spoke at that. And um, I mean, she's a lady who identifies as schizophrenic uh, severely, you know, schizophrenic and um, still has medications and therapy. Mm-hmm. Yet she heads up a law school at a major university. <laughs> right, you know? right. And so these, these things are, um, mm-hmm. in, these are not exceptions. This is common. You don't right. know who you're seeing. You right. Know, um, you know, people have um, different l- limitations they have to account for, but the idea is that you can live a life not defined by your illness. And um, I want to say, you know, if you you got permission from your from your sister to talk about her illness, and if you go to our website, namiurbanlosangeles.org, dot org, you'll see some of her amazing work. <laughs> she's, she's also our webmaster. <laughs> yes, she and, is. <laughs> uh, amazing work. And uh, we have other peers who work in our office. The, the young lady who heads, heads up our school-based programs, you know, is a person with lived experience. Yes. You know, we, we try to embrace people who have the experience, you know, to demonstrate to the larger community mm-hmm. that... Uh, Life's not only right. not over. Right. I mean, you can accomplish amazing yes. things. Yes. And um, and people do on a daily basis. And uh, we really um, believe in that. And, and trust me, it's paid dividends there because we have people who have skin in the game, you know, who want to see this thing work, want to see this organization succeed, you know, want this community to be served. Right. So uh, it's it's been amazing, you know, experience for us, and we really want to uh, make the people in the community aware of that as well. Right, and part part of removing the the stigma and aiding in early prevention and in um, in prevention and early intervention is when people share their story, Absolutely. and and you you know I guess sharing the story is therapeutic in itself. And then those hearing you share your story lets you know, oh, wow, I never knew that about that person. I thought they looked normal <laughs> and didn't know. And, and it's like it's not an abnormal look of mental health, um, of, of mental illness, no different than there's an abnormal look of having, you know, being having high blood pressure. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So true. You know, and you never know. And sometimes you can be even closer than that. I know with a you know, friend of mine, I've known him since high school. He's the same age with my son. And um, he just shared with me uh, about three years ago that he had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Okay. And this guy's not only, I mean... It's amazing. You know, I didn't know, and I'm that close up to him. Right, right, and, yeah. Uh, and this guy is literally a rocket scientist. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that right. you know, works for NASA, uh-huh. and um, uh, I didn't have any idea. 
mm-hmm. that you know that he had struggled. That was what he came to me. He was pretty adamant about participating in the NAMI walks that year. <laughs> and he goes, I, I share something with you I, I, I had never shared before. And, uh, you know, but I've struggled with this and uh, had to take off college about two years and uh, deal with his mental health issues and went back, you know, which is um, another area that we really want to onset for these illnesses mm-hmm. are in that 16 to 25 age range. Right. So this is when a lot of people are, are in college or away from home for the first time. I get a lot of calls from out of state, from mm-hmm. families mm-hmm. who uh, have loved ones experiencing their, what they call first break psychosis. Okay. You know, and uh, trying to figure out what they need to do with them, what kind of supports do we have you know, for their family members, should they come get them? What are the, what are the right. issues around it? You know, so um, uh, there are, um, you know, issues that people face all across the country when it comes to that. And uh, so having um, programs to educate schools as well as to educate students and to go out to schools and talk about this, why these clubs are, are so, so important and we have to talk about student services on those campuses. What kind of services do you have? You know, how extensive are they? You know, what are your policies and programs? Can a student uh, take some time off to take care of their mental health needs without academic penalty? Right, you know, or financial aid penalty. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. And what else is available in the surrounding communities? Um, you know, we find that there's been such a a piecemeal approach to thing. We have these islands of support that aren't really woven together in a way to provide a safety net. You know, so we need to, to do that. You know, we need to be able to help people navigate that. You know, so it's extremely important that, that we understand that and, and not have a stigma, uh, keep us from seeking help. And that's, uh, you know, hugely important. And, uh, You know, just to the, you know, to the 12-week class, my biggest question coming in this thing was, you know, what is mental illness? You know? Right. Yeah. Right. What do you mean when you say that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the biological basis for making a statement like that? Right. Yeah. You know, what, what's different about their body than mine? Right. Yeah. You know? And, um... You know, NAMI was the place that answered those questions for me. Right, yeah. You know, I, you need to understand that. You know, we spend a lot of time establishing that biological basis. What's going on in someone's body when they're experiencing these things? Right. We uh, call it taking a, a biological, psychological, mm-hmm. sociological approach, biopsychosocial approach right. to mental illness. You first need to understand What's going on with the body? What's physically happening with someone who has mental illness? You know, then you understand the psychological uh, impacts of that. How does that account for these behaviors that are so problematic for us? You know, how do we approach those? You know, and then how do people manage the recovery, you know, the sociological aspect of it? So it's huge, but of course we... A lot of time needs to be devoted to establishing that biological basis, 
you know, because that pays such huge dividends. Mm -hmm. When you see people doing things, then, you know, I see behaviors that I don't understand. Right. But I have some idea of what's going on in your body, you know, with your biological makeup. Right. It makes a difference in how Mm -hmm. I react. Mm Mm-hmm to those things because you see someone doing things and you see no obvious signs of injury, um, you think that's under their control. Uh, I would say, you know, quite a bit, you know, the uh, um, one person has been diagnosed, but the impact is to the entire family. Yes, it is. You know, and uh, it's a swirling vortex of things that can, suck everything into it Mm -hmm. so we have to commit to not letting this illness take over our households so we spend a lot of time strategizing with families Mm -hmm. about that right you know how do i maintain uh my well relationships in the family how do i keep those healthy and how do i keep my household orderly and calm so it's comfortable place to be for everybody there Right. It's really, it's biblical in sense. (laughs) (laughs) Truth and love. You, you, um, you know, you don't just do all truth with no love because that's pretty ugly. And then you don't do love with no truth because now you're lying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You are listening to Conversation Peace on RJLA Morning Wake Up Call. Conversation piece on RJLA Morning Wake Up Call. And we have Harold Turner here with us, who is the director of NAMI Urban LA, board member of NAMI California, and commissioner on the LA County Health Board. Prevention and early intervention. So we know part of that is getting rid of the stigma being aware of what mental illness is, being aware of the triggers and the causes, like you said, biologically, psychologically, and environmentally, and being and knowing what the statistics are, that it's common and it doesn't just happen to a few people. How do you guys approach prevention and early intervention? Because it's, it seems like... <clears throat> You know, you you send your child off to college and you have that, that situation where something happens, they get diagnosed at, at, at college, or we're looking at suicide is the second leading cause of death for for people from fifteen to twenty four. How does early intervention and, and and prevention come in? Well, it's interesting. That was a large part of uh I guess you remember the Mental Health Services Act or 
Proposition 63 of the Millionaire's Tax that set aside this pot of money in California to be used to uh, uh, for mental health purposes. And a huge chunk of that in the beginning was related to prevention and early intervention. And much of what we've talked about today has been directed that way as well, about reducing stigma mm-hmm. and raising awareness. Okay. Uh, prevention, mm-hmm. um, you have to ask the question, are these things preventable? You know, so... Um, are they? Well, you know, there's... Uh, the question is, how would you know? <laughs> Right. You know, if you prevented right. it and uh-huh. it never happened, uh-huh. it becomes a, a <laughs> sort of a, a mute question. So how would you measure that? But um, so early intervention would be, would, the question is, what does that look like? You know, if I can't prevent it and the onset happens and all the data available to us indicates, indicates that um, repeated bouts with relapse and reoccurrence of the illness decreases a person's resiliency and and ability to recover the next time. So we want to prevent these these relapses. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. what does an early intervention model look like to do that? You know, so that's what was, and there were lots of studies done. It was actually done in different communities in California they had a, a a project called the California uh, Reducing Disparities Project, and they actually worked in different communities: the African American community, the Latino community, the Asian Pacific Islander community, the LGBTQ communities, and Native American communities, to look at models for early interventions within those communities, to see what those would look like. So. Um, uh, a lot of work has been done there, and curiously of late to me, it's, it's been a, a lot of focus on what's now called uh, first break psychosis, you know, because it's, it's kind of odd to think about, uh, you know, there being a break as we think about it. Usually someone had a psychotic break. It's usually uh, the onset of symptoms, and the symptoms tend to increase in severity until finally they result in a crisis. But, of course, there's no way, if you have no context for understanding the change, you know, that's just Bobby being Bobby thing, or, you know, or they always <laughs> been like that. You don't really have a, a context right. for looking at things yes. like that, you know. And I looked back personally a, a mm-hmm. lot of times. It was my Did I miss something? Right. Was there something I should have noticed, mm-hmm. something I could have done? I had no context for doing that right. at all. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, I guess unrealistic from my side to expect that I would have when I had no way of knowing it. And, you know, since all of the PEI stuff, a lot of it is really gauged at, uh, you know, reducing or eliminating stigma. You know, I often say that, uh, you know, stigma is not an orphan. You know, she has a mother called ignorance. <laughs> you know, and if you can get rid of ignorance, and you get rid of ignorance by educating people on these illnesses, you go a long ways toward reducing stigma. Right, and yeah. I I did see that we had some. You know, there's warning signs: sure. um, feeling sad or withdrawn for more than two weeks, 
obviously trying to harm or kill oneself or making plans to do so out of control, sudden overwhelming fear for no reason, uh, not eating or throwing up, severe mood swings, mm-hmm. um, and repeated use of drugs and, and alcohol, extremely difficulty in concentrating. You know, there there's, there's some warning signs mm-hmm. that, that can... Um, you know, help you come in with some early intervention and hopefully with prevention. Harold, you and I, we can talk about mental health mm-hmm. and mental illness all day, I believe so. So we most definitely have to have you um, return to to conversation. Peace. Um, but I want to give out your, your information, um, namiurbanla.org. And also go to mentalhealthyes.com where you'll find some other resources. And their telephone number is 323-294-7814. That's 323-294-7814 for NAMI Urban LA. And their website, namiurbanla.org. Just want to make sure you guys have pen and paper so you can write, write this down. Carol, I have one more question before we end today's show. There are some people who believe that NAMI is in cahoots with Big Pharma and pushes medicine to its clients. I told people that I was going to do the show uh, with NAMI Urban LA, and one response I got was, oh, no, we're anti-NAMI um, because they push medicine. They're about pharmaceuticals as opposed to another type of healing. What is your response? <laughs> well, you know, NAMI doesn't really, doesn't write prescriptions. That's we're what not, I told them. <laughs> we're not mental health professionals, right. you know, nor do we necessarily endorse any type of pharmacy company. You know, unfortunately, and, and I went through this when my daughter was first diagnosed, it's really hard to find independent data on any of these pharmaceuticals that are used in treating mental illness. All the research has apparently been done by the pharmaceutical companies. You know, that being said, uh, I am terribly biased in favor of what works. Uh, If there's another solution, Mm -hmm. and increasingly we found that particularly for things around mild to moderate depression, um, exercise and things like that work as well, if not better, you know, than pharmaceuticals. Right. So uh, we're definitely, um, you know, not pushing pharmaceuticals because they only address one part of the problem, as we discussed, and those are symptoms. You know, and ultimately, we're about wellness. And NAMI, by sheer makeup of family, friends, and loved ones, which is the only requirement for membership in the organization, would not look to bring harm intentionally or unintentionally to someone we love, you know, and by, you know, applying them with uh, pharmaceuticals is not a solution to the issues they're facing. So um, we there are cases where... Uh, Pharmaceuticals need to be had, you know, to ask people to 
make choices about their mental health and not give them the tools to do that would be wrong. You know, so pharmaceuticals are sometimes necessary, but they're not a panacea. Right. Yeah, because we always think there's a, 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 a pill that would cure anything and everything from wrinkles to <laughs> weight loss no. to brain and, disorder. And these are highly complex uh, illnesses. Right. You know, that affect so many different parts of the body. And uh, there are trade-offs with these pharmaceuticals. You know, they uh, they only address one thing, but their effect is not limited to one system of the body. They affect multiple systems of the body. And all of the research, the new research indicates such, you know, that the problems are really in the integration of these uh, body systems. So, you know, taking pharmaceuticals like firing buckshot in there, you may hit what you are after, mm -hmm. but you're going to hit a lot of other stuff too. Right. You know, so uh, there are, there's research underway to reform the way pharmaceuticals are developed in that respect to more limit their effect. But uh, that's still uh, very much, you know, a new science. And work is being done in those areas to make these uh, these things less, you know, more tolerable for individuals who have to take them because they are definitely side effects. Harold Turner, thank you so much for being here with us at Conversation Peace. It warms my heart that you guys do the work that you do because my sister is doing so well so well through NAMI services and then some of the other L.A. County um, services that, that were available for her to help with her major depression and her panic um, disorder. I I just, I, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to, to God for, for whoever it was that decided that NAMI as a whole nationwide needs to be put together. And then thank you to the original um, founders of NAMI, urban LA. Any closing statements? I uh, just wanted to say it's a, it was a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, you know, NAMI Urban Los Angeles seeks to be an asset to the community. Uh, our founder was actually B.B. Moore Campbell. Many of you may be familiar with her who brought this much needed service to our community and also brought us the B.B. Moore Campbell National Minority Mental Health Month which is in July, around awareness. So, you know, this is part of her legacy, and we want to honor her by making sure that this organization continues to always be an asset to this community. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Leslie Radford, the brain behind RJLA, Adam Rice, program coordinator, Sister Charlie Muhammad, my engineer today, and you can hear her show on RJLA on Fridays at 8 a.m., Liberated Sisters. And, of course, you are RJLA devoted listeners. You can reach us on Radio Justice on Facebook. I'm Angela Birdsong. Thank you for allowing me to share this experience of conversation piece on Radio Justice LA morning wake-up call with you. Remember to be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be brave, be courageous, 
and let all that you do be done with love.